Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's truly an honor to be here. Um, we've gotten to be here a little more than than usual. Uh, usually when we come back, we travel around to all the different churches, just uh, updating them on what's been going on around the world, because I think it's important for the church to see the global thing that God is doing and how amazing it is and how he does so many incredible works throughout the world. And I get to be on the front seat of that, and I'm privileged and honored. My family's privileged and honored. My wife, Deborah, over here, and then uh, our kids are in kids ministry, except for Abigail Saylor. They're also in here today. So, um, But also just having the, a wonderful mother-in-law, uh, Donette who many of you know and uh, is involved here in so many ways. So just I'm, I'm truly blessed. And actually, my whole life I've been blessed. Um, my daughter and I were talking about this yesterday, how, you know, oftentimes we're given these gifts and we don't even recognize what they are. Uh, I grew up uh, from uh, a long line of different missionaries. My grandparents were actually missionaries in South Africa. Uh, my mom was eight years old when they went over there on a boat. Um, to Zimbabwe. Uh, so the Pemberton family, maybe some of you know them, but uh, they actually passed on to my mother what she knows now today about missions. And uh, she was able to grow up in that environment. And back when she was really young, she used to say, I want to be a missionary to the, to the Soviet Union. And everybody laughed at her because in those days, as you know, to go to the Soviet Union was not possible uh, because it was the Iron Curtain. It was a closed place. Uh, but then later on, fast forward to, to 1992, my whole family, uh, she had, uh, she was also told she'd never have kids. She had eight children. Uh, I'm number six. Uh, but then fast forward to that time, and, and all of us were packing our bags, and we were getting ready to move over to Kiev, U Ukraine, which is part of what now is the former Soviet Union. Uh, and so from a young age, I was able to experience living on the mission field, learning a foreign language, learning Ukrainian, Russian, and uh, experiencing life in a whole different kind of way. And uh, I'm saying all this not to, to bring attention to my story, but to the whole global picture of what God does and how he prepares his servants and people to be able to do his work throughout the world. The most unlikeliest of candidates, to be honest. Uh, my father, uh, George Mark, he was a farmer, a uh, farmer in Indiana. In fact, there's a book that I, I didn't even think to mention this or, or put it up on the screen, but there's a book called Distant Fields that my brother-in-law, Jed Gorley, wrote. Um, and it's about the life of my dad and how he uh, went from the farmlands of Indiana to the foreign mission field. And just the unique story of his life, he actually went to KCU here, uh, graduated from here, as well as my mother. Uh, in fact, I remember Will Lusby coming to Kiev, Ukraine to visit us. Uh, so I also have a lot of connections to the college here and just uh, all the things that God did there. Um, but uh, as a kid, I remember coming to Grayson often and visiting my grandparents here after they retired of 50-some years on the mission field. So I've had so many blessings in my life to be able to experience uh, what I'm experiencing today. But I personally thought I was never going to be a missionary. I never thought I was even going to really be somebody who would speak to, to people. I used to get so nervous. I used to sweat like crazy and not be, and my hands would be shaking when I'd stand up to, to talk to people. And I thought, no, that's not me. I can't do that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm just going to kind of sit back and um, I'm going to, you know, support people and, you know, send them out. And that's great. But uh, I thought this little farm boy from Indiana isn't going to do much. So I'll just sit back and watch other people do it and support my family who I thought my dad, you know, I saw Jesus in his life. I saw Jesus in my mother's life. I was privileged in that way. I got to experience so many different things, uh, you know, throughout the years of my life. But at the same time, I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel like I was somebody who could serve the Lord in that capacity. And, uh, but God's, God's miraculous, <laughs> to say the least. And what he's done in my life um, is truly all glory to him. Uh, I don't say that lightly. Everything that he's done has been 
a miracle in my life. And I, I'm one of those people who, you know, uh, went through the struggles um, from an early on stage. And, and I'll share a little bit more about that later. But um, as you, you travel through life, you end up in these places, you know, that you're, you ask this question, how on earth did I get to this place? Um, and so, that, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in this type of situation where you're sitting there and you're like, wait a second, what brought me to this point? How on earth did I get here? And that's what happened to me one time when we were um, serving in Siberia. We were serving in northern Russia, right on the Arctic Circle, uh, a city called Salakard. And uh, we were serving um, the local communities there, the people known as the Ninyets and the Khanti people. And uh, one time I went on a trip with a friend. And uh, he took me out uh, into the tundra. It's like a nine and a half hour snowmobile ride out into the tundra. And when we left, it was like negative 30. So it was pretty cold. Uh, I had my bath and boots on. I, you know, I was all ready because you got to get ready out there or it's death. So you have to know how to prepare. So I've learned from the locals how you're supposed to prepare to get out there in the cold. And, uh, you know, you can just think about it right now. Just being outside all day long today, it'd be, be frigid, you know. But the negative 30, it, it adds a, a life-threatening element there, you know. Um, so we're on the snowmobile. We, we rest several times, let the snowmobile cool off and stuff throughout the journey, have tea. Um, but we finally make it to our destination. And we were going to, a, um, to some locals to their teepee. And they have a reindeer out in, this, out in the tundra, just out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, you go out there, and I have no idea how this guy navigated. P uh, Peter is his name in English. Uh, he would, like, stand up on the snowmobile, look around. Oh, yep, that's the way we're supposed to go. Go this way. I stand up, and I look, and I just see white all around me, just, like, flat whiteness. And I, don't, I have no idea what he was looking at to know, oh, no, we need to go this way. Oh, no, this way. And uh, later on, I learned a few tricks. But still, it was like, how does he navigate out here? This is crazy. Uh, but we end up at the teepee, sure enough, and we find these people who are actually nomadic. They travel from place to place, so to find them, you have to stop along the way, ask people, how, do you know where this family's at right now? And they'll let you know, well, we saw them over here this time. So you're kind of like finding out from people, navigating, trying to get to where you're supposed to go. And uh, anyway, long story short, I'm, I'm in this teepee with a bunch of drunk people that night, <clears throat> the the father of the household he's or of the tv <laughs> he's you know pulling my head over and he's telling me you're you're one of us kind of thing you know just welcoming me welcoming me uh, me into their community and uh so that night though we find out my my uh guide he tells me my friend peter he says you know uh all their reindeer left and they had to go find food elsewhere because the the winter's been hard where like the snow melted and then it and then it hardened again and melted and hardened again and it created a layer where the reindeer couldn't dig down and get to the food so they actually left to, to go to a different area and now they're going to have to travel as well but they have no food to feed us with so we're going to have to leave early so tonight we have to go gather everything that we're supposed to gather because he does trading with them he brings them supplies they give him reindeer antlers he takes them back sells them and then is able to to work with them in that kind of way and so we were going to go around that night and collect all the reindeer antlers and drop off the, the fuel that we had brought in the different locations. So it was, it dropped down, the temperature dropped down to negative 40, and uh, we're traveling on the snowmobile. And I'm sitting on the sled because he's sitting on the snowmobile with the guy who's showing him where to drop stuff off, pick up the reindeer antlers. So I'm sitting on the sled in the back, which is not very comfortable. It doesn't have shocks like a snowmobile. So every bump is felt along with the weight of the sled. It's slamming down into the ground every time, you know, and you're, this is like a 110 sled, you know, it's heavy. And uh, so we're going through the, the tundra 
And uh, one time the snowmobile comes detached. And I'm like, oh no. And I yell and they hear me, they come back, we reattach it, we keep going. Uh, then it, it kind of starts to snow a little bit, which means it's starting to warm up a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, you know, it's not gonna be as cold. So we keep going, but, but then this, the sled comes detached again. And I'm sitting there on the sled and I'm yelling and, and they aren't responding. And I'm like, oh no. So I'm sitting there on this sled, it's snowing. So our tracks are getting covered by the snow. So I don't know what to do. I'm just like, okay, I take out my flashlight, which is gonna die soon because it's cold. And so I put it on top of my backpack, on top of the sled so that they can see where I'm at. And, uh, and then I, I look through my backpack, I see a Snickers. I'm like, oh yes, a Snickers, great. You know, I can eat something, warm up this way, you know? So I pull out the Snickers, clunk. Uh, a little frozen, a little frozen. So I, you know, held that thing in my mouth and I'm sitting there sucking on the Snickers thinking this would make a great commercial for Snickers. No, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, what do I do now? And then that question pops up in my head. How on earth did I get here in the middle of the tundra, just sitting here on a sled, not knowing what's going to happen next? How did I get here? And your whole life kind of flashes before you at this moment, and you recollect everything that happened to get you to this moment. And you know, there's um, a lot of people, I think, who probably asked this question. I think my grandparents probably asked it. I'm sure that my, my parents asked it when they uh, ended up in places. Um, and then I'm sure other missionaries in the past have William Carey and uh, you know some of these amazing missionaries of the past and take it all the way back to some other ones, you know, and but I think, you know, you take it back and Paul, uh, the apostle, was one of these guys who I'm sure that question probably ran through his mind, but he, he had a, a quick answer, I believe, to it. And in fact, when you read through the book of Philippians, his letter to uh, a church that he truly loved, uh, you read this amazing account of Paul being so confident in the places that he's at. But you know where he's at when he's writing to the Philippians? He's sitting in prison. He's sitting in prison and he's writing this letter to him. But let's just take a look also uh, through our lives. What, what are some of the places sometimes we ask, like, how do we get to these places and what are the answers? So one answer would be like, well, my parents, you know, you may be like my kids. My parents are in Georgia, the country of Georgia, so we're there. That's how we got to where we're at. Or it may be because, you know, you made poor or good decisions. And while I was sitting on the sled, I was remembering some of those. I was like, man, yeah. I remember sitting in a car puking in the morning because I, I made a poor decision that night uh, to drink, you know, with some friends. And I ended up in a place where I was drinking alcohol and I was puking out the door and I was like, how did I get here? Well, it was from poor decisions. Uh, then sometimes it's good decisions, you know, like uh, standing up, waiting for my wife to walk down the aisle. That was a great decision that I made. <laughs> and standing there and just thinking, oh, you know, that moment will always be burned in my memory of just seeing her come down the aisle and thinking, this is a good decision. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, other ones are like, uh, you know, when you have visions, uh, a vision to do something and God puts this vision on your heart and you go do it. And, you know, that's also something where you're like, oh, how did I get to this place? Well, you know, this is, this is the process that brought me here. But oftentimes it's just God is the answer. Uh, God is the reason why I'm in this place. And on the sled, I knew that's the reason I was there ultimately, but I was just looking through my whole life and thinking through this. And I was thinking, well, Paul was in that position. He was sitting in prison and he was writing to this group of Philippians and he says something incredible in Philippians. He says, but I know, he says, right? Um, I want you to know, brethren, that um, my chains are in Christ. So he's, let's read it from here because I can't read back there. Brethren, that the things which happened to me 
have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul knew why he was in prison because God had placed them there to be able to preach to the whole praetorium, to all the prison guards in there about who Jesus was. He knew that the place that he was at, even though it was very uncomfortable, even though it was a place of misery often, uh, he knew he was there because that's where God wanted him to be, to be able to further the gospel so that people would know who Jesus is. And that next part of that verse, he says that, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, to the whole praetorium, um, that my chains are in Christ. That's important, in Christ. He understood that the suffering was because Christ was glorified. And oftentimes you'll find your place yourself in a place where you don't know why you're there. But if you can look back and see how God got you to that point, it might be because of poor decisions. But even in that, God may be doing something to be able to get your attention, to be able to draw you back to himself. Or it may be that you're there for somebody else like Paul was in this prison so that others may know the gospel or find yourself on a sled in northern Siberia so that some locals there would know who Jesus is. And so oftentimes we'll find our place in the most awkward, strange situations, and we can ask that question, but know that God is still working in your life. And he's doing some things. Because Paul, I'm sure, you know, standing there holding the the robes of the people when he was still called Saul, uh, who were stoning Stephen, I'm sure he thought back to that moment and thought, why was I there? Well, it was so that God's grace could be revealed. It's so that later on, the gospel would go out through this man who then would dedicate his entire life to just traveling around telling people about who Jesus was and how gracious he was and how loving he was. And there was many times in Paul's life where that situation was, was so clear and evident to him because of what he was doing. And we're going to get to... Um, Yeah, so God can use all these uncomfortable situations in our lives to be able to, and circumstances, uh, to make himself known to the other people around us, to the world. Uh, And that's what we are. We are that written letter from God to the world. Those who are following him are that letter. We carry the light. We are the reflection of Christ to those around us. And we don't deserve to be. (laughs) Sometimes we're very poor reflectors of who Christ is. But at the same time, that's what he's given us to be. He's allowed for the imperfectness of this world. He's chosen to debase or the the things that are ugly to be able to glorify himself. And that's what I realized in my own life at at a certain stage is that it's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do through me. And uh, that's what Paul was doing. He was just acting out what God could do through his life. Um, But how do we get to this point? How do we get to the point where we can be like Paul in prison and be like, ah, you know, this is for God. This is, this is for his glory, you know, and recognize in those moments that this is a, pur- a purpose that God is fulfilling. And, uh, you know, I think that the answer, uh, if you look further in Philippians, uh, you'll see Paul describes to the Philippians this, this really short but, uh, man, packed um, meaning through this verse If you look at Philippians uh, further, you'll see where he says in chapter 1, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I believe that that was like, that was Paul's life in a nutshell. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That That was the motto by which he lived by 
throughout his life from the time that Christ converted his life. Because of Christ, he was in prison. Because of Christ, he was preaching the gospel. Because of Christ, he was beat up, he was shipwrecked, he, was, he went through all these, these different challenges. But also because of Christ, he knew where his eternal state was. It was to be with him for eternity. To die is gain. So we're going to unpack this a little bit for me to live as Christ. Uh, what does it mean to live as Christ? And uh, really it means to let Christ saturate our lives completely, to be connected to the vine as we talked about last Sunday, Aaron. So uh, amazingly brought the word last Sunday on, on being connected to the vine and Jesus being the vine, the one we're connected to, to live as Christ or to live Christ is to be connected to him and allow for him to live through our lives, allow for his fruit to come from us. See, I think a mistake I made growing up was thinking that I had to produce the fruit. I thought I was the one who had to somehow get the gospel out there or whatever it was, and, that's, and I just wasn't capable. So I didn't want to do it because I thought, huh, I, I'm not talented enough. I don't have the right resources. I'm not gifted enough. I don't have all these things that other people have. And so I decided I was just not going to do it. But the thing that I was lacking was faith. <laughs> I didn't recognize the power of God. I didn't see how he could use this vessel, as long as that vessel was empty, how he could use this vessel to do what he wanted to do. You know, and to live as Christ doesn't always mean to be a pastor or to be a missionary or to be you know, a Paul or, you know, one of these guys way out there, it, it oftentimes meant being what Paul wrote to the churches. What did Paul write to the churches? He said, hey, you know, let your marriage reflect Christ. He talked about how wives were to, uh, to be towards her, their husbands and husbands towards their wives. He told husbands, hey, you're supposed to be like Jesus. <laughs> you're supposed to love your wife like Jesus loves the church. Later on in Ephesians there in chapter 5, he talks about how husbands and wives, they are a reflection of who Christ is. And I think it's amazing. Then he goes on to children, and he says children, how they're to obey their parents. And he talks about how that's a reflection of who God is and how slaves and slave, uh, slave owners are to act towards each other and how that's a reflection of who Christ is. And you just go through Scripture and time and time again, you see how every part of life is to reflect who God is to everyone around him. And everything that we do is a reflection of Christ. So to live as Christ doesn't mean being like Paul and, and going, you know, throughout the whole world preaching the gospel. Maybe, maybe that's your calling, but it means just living a life that is fully saturated with Christ and letting his fruit be produced from your life, allowing for him to work through you and in you. And I think that the things that we oftentimes think are important in life, uh, oftentimes we, they distract us from this one principle. Um, for example, so if you can fill in that blank Christ with anything else, then the second part doesn't really go very well, right? So let's kind of do a few of these, because for me, to live was basketball. Well, then to die is what? Is to lose basketball, to lose everything, all my glory, everything that I lived for. That's it. I lost it, you know? For others, it's going to be for me to live is family. When you die, you lost it. Again, it's not, it's, it's not going to fit. 
and everything that you can place in that spot for me to live is, it's going to fail unless it's Christ. Because the only way you're going to have gain at the end is when you gain what you live for. And you'll gain what you live for if that is Christ. Because in the end, you're with him. You get to be with him for eternity. And we'll hit on that a little bit further as we go through Philippians because we're going to hit another spot that, that really talks hits this home. But it starts with a mindset of humility to live for Christ. The only way you can live for Christ is if truly you can have a mindset of humility. Um, what does humility mean? Humility is when you recognize who you really are in the light of God. That would be humility. Because to know who you are truly will allow then for God to work in you and through you. So humility, I think, is something that is a gradual process that God is revealing in our lives. I know for myself, like for example, it was pride that made me not want to go and, and uh, do what God wanted me to do. I thought I knew better than God. I thought I knew what I was capable of. And therefore, God can't do this in my life. That's a lack of faith. That's pride. That is a lack of humility. Humility is when, again, we allow for God to do what he wants to do in our lives because we recognize who we are and who he is. It's recognizing his power in our lives. And, um, you know, there's a, a, a verse further on here in chapter 2 of Philippians where um, Paul mentions what kind of mindset we're to have. And it truly is the mindset of Christ. Uh, he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant. You know, if you look at these verses and you continue to read through them, you know, not, not only taking on the form of a bondservant, but he came in the likeness of man, not only came in the likeness of man, but if you read further, then he also, um, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So you look at the progression. So he's God. He, did, he didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. So imagine, you know, you know who you are. He's, he's in heaven. He's at the highest of the highs. He's God. But then he humbles himself and comes down to man. Think about the way he came down to, I mean, born in a manger, stable, amongst the poor, you know, not, not this comes, you know, expects people to respect him right away. And then from there, what does he do? He can go further down. He humbles, he's not just a man, now he's a servant, a bond servant. He's chosen to serve people washing fishermen's feet and serving tax collectors and uh, and, and serving people who are prostitutes and people who are the lowest of the low on the social scale. And he's there amongst them, loving them and, and serving them. But not only does he stop there, he goes even lower than that. He humbles himself to the point of death. But not just death, not just any kind of death, but the lowliest of the lowest kinds of deaths, a death on a cross, which is in the eyes of the world, the lowest you could get, because that means you're a criminal. That means you deserve to be punished, but not just punished, but punished in the worst possible kind of way. And we know and have heard and seen what death on a cross can be. It is horrible. And Jesus was that. He was the lowest of the lows for us, 
And then it will go on in Philippians to talk about how God highly exalts him because of this. But this is where Jesus got to. How did he get there? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. And this ended up saving the world. My daughter and I, again, Abigail, we, we like to have these long discussions against to live as Christ, right? So uh, living together with your children um, and talking them, to them about some of these things is, is one way to live as Christ uh, because this way we grow and we understand who he is. And one thing that we were discussing the other day was this idea of sacrifice because, you know, oftentimes you read uh, missionary biographies and you think, man, how did that person do it? And you think of, of all the suffering they went through, and you think of these people who their bodies were tortured, and, and they were in arenas, and they, were, you know, they didn't reject Christ, and they continued to go, and, and just the amazing things that, that they were able to endure in order for Christ to be glorified. But you take it all the way back, and you realize that the greatest missionary who ever lived was Jesus. And that he was the example. He was the one who said it. Because, you know, a lot of people, when I go overseas, they, they ask the question, well, how could you leave America to come here? And, you're, and I think, huh, you know, it's funny because God left heaven to come to earth. And there's no comparison there. To go from something that perfect from heaven to earth, <laughs> I mean, come on now, that's not, you can't compare America and go into another third world country even, or even the worst country that there could possibly be in the world and compare going from America to that country as heaven to earth. <laughs> and I just think, man, truly the greatest missionary who ever lived was Jesus Christ. That's where Paul learned from. That's why he said for me to live is Christ because he recognized that his life now was Christ. It was living the way Christ lived. It's allowing Christ to completely saturate your life you are then the living sacrifice, the living sacrifice. In fact, uh, later on, Paul will write to the Romans, um, or before this, actually, he writes to the Romans. In chapter 12 of Romans, um, verses 1 and 2, uh, we'll read about how uh, Paul says this. He says, um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your worshipful service, it would say in the ESV, I think. Um, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. In, in those two verses, Paul unpacks what it is that he wants for, his, for the people that are serving God, for, his, for the church that has been planted he, I beseech you there. It's like him getting down and being like, guys, please, please, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice to him. Give yourselves over to him because he knows that when we give ourselves over to God completely, that's when God can start to work. That's when we can know what his will is. If, you know, I think one thing I used to think is God was kind of like this evil monster up, up in the sky trying to just like, ha now you guys have to deal with life down there. Figure it out. No, he's like, I'm right here. Just surrender. Surrender to me. I can show you the way. It's not easy, but I can show you the way. And it's better than anything you could ever experience. Yeah, it may be that you end up like Paul in prison, or it may be that you end up like on a sled in, in somewhere in northern Siberia. But it may be that you end up, you know, in a different circumstance, even here in the States, that's not so easy. But in those circumstances, you'll be able to, like Paul, see 
how the gospel is going forth through your life, how you are this living sacrifice that's allowing for others to be able to see who God is because his will can be performed in your life. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, he said, I always do that which pleases the Father. Man, that's, that's the mindset of Christ. That's the humility we need, is to recognize that all my plans, all my ambitions, everything that I can possibly conjure up can't even compare to what his perfect will is, his perfect and acceptable will is. And to know his perfect and acceptable will, I have to give up. I have to give myself up and say, God, what do you want? What let your will be done? We sang that song, you know, about his will being done, about the kingdom, let your kingdom come. If you want God's kingdom to come, then we have to get rid of ours. We have to say, okay, away with my kingdom, bring your kingdom and let you be the king of my heart. We sing it in songs, but so often I don't live it in life. So often I'll wake up in the morning and who's the king of my heart? Me. And that's where, again, like Aaron shared last week, we have to, in the mornings, sometimes it's waking up and just saying, God, be the king of my heart because I want to take over again today. All my anxieties, all my trials, all the troubles in my life want to take over my world right now again and they want to, to solve all the problems and to get all this out of the And that happens even with other people. Sometimes, you know, somebody will come to me with their problems and I'll be like, oh, yeah, we need to do this, 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 and this, and this. No, what about praying? What about saying, hey, those are tough problems. Let's, let's go to the Lord and ask him what he wants to do in this situation. What can he do in this situation? And then go through it together and ask God to guide you through that process of going through those issues in life and seeing what he can do through that. And it may not be comfortable. It may not be comfortable. And that's what Paul uh, tells the Philippians. He says, you know what? It, it, it may not be comfortable where I'm at, in other words, but it's God's will and I see how he's being glorified. And he tells them, in everything rejoice. Rejoice in everything that you do. Because when you rejoice in everything, you start to see how God is doing this, how he's performing this, and how he's working in this area of, of our lives. And um, in fact, I don't know, is it, are the slides done? Did I? Because I uh, had a few more up there, but, I did. but we'll just keep going. Um, so just a few more things that, that I was going to mention. Um, from Philippians, there's also in chapter 3, where Paul is uh, mentioning the latter part of the verse, that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, okay? So, to live is Christ, but how is to die gain, okay? So, if you look in chapter 3 of Philippians, um, Paul, here, sorry, I'll take my pencil out of here, uh, in 3.20 actually, he says this interesting, this interesting point. Um, sorry, I'll find it in here. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things. So what is to die is gain? So we know to live as Christ is to live completely saturated by him and allowing him to live through our lives. But what is to die? Why is dying gained then? It's because then we finally are rid of the old man. We're rid of the one who has been distracting us this whole time from truly knowing our king, from truly knowing our savior. And that 
old body will be dealt with finally. And, you know, as you go through this world, I don't know if you guys kind of go back even to Genesis and you think about the beginning, right? And how initially, you know, God was in, in rule. And he said, look, here's, go to the garden, subdue it. You know, you guys are basically ruling the earth. And, but it's through the way that God wanted, to, wanted it to be ruled. He was the king. And then he said, but there's this tree. Don't eat of it. If you do, then you guys are going to be the ones that decide what's good and bad. If you eat of this tree, it's going to change everything. It's going to bring death and destruction. And they did. We know the story. And here we are today, living the consequences of that. And I believe that the rest of the Bible and, and even our lives are there to show us what it is that has caused this to happen and how the evil that has entered the world has caused this chaos and mayhem and how today we're living this life of, uh, you know, if you, if you take it to the fullest where man decides what's good and evil, then it, it leads to things like wars, uh, what's happening in Ukraine right now. The country of Georgia is occupied, 20% of the country of Georgia is occupied by Russia because people decide this is my land. No, this is my land. And, but you know, it, it's funny because, again, to our conversation with my daughter yesterday, we were talking about it. You think, oh, these evil people, what they're doing out there. But then you take a look at just even our own nature here and the way we live and how oftentimes the number one is us. And uh, we were talking about how just fighting with your sibling, that's the same thing as war. It's just you don't have mass, weapons of mass destruction to, to go at each other with, right? And in your anger, you start to do things. Have you ever thrown a phone or, or any kind of object or gotten mad and you know, kicked something? You know, if you haven't, then good. But <laughs> I have. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. Man, I have done so many bad things. And, and in my heart, so many sins have been born. And, and thank God that they weren't. I don't have weapons of mass destruction because maybe this planet wouldn't exist anymore. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, the, the evil, it starts with each and every one of us in our hearts because of that decision. We're going to decide what's right and wrong. And when we're the ones that decide what's right and wrong, we create a literal hell on earth. <laughs> you know, you look at what people are living through right now in Ukraine or in these other countries that are experiencing war, it is hell. I have friends who are dying because of what's happening, because of man's poor decisions to decide what's good and what's bad. And there's not, you know, no president is going to fix it. No earthly ruler is going to fix it. There's only one king who can fix it, and that's Jesus. That's King Jesus. And he, he tells us to give him the control, allow for him to take over. And that is when, that is when we are gonna see true righteousness. That is when we get to experience heaven where there's a perfect rule and we can know what good, is, good and evil is on his terms. And that can transform our lives. And that's when he will transform our lowly bodies and, and turn them into what he is. And that's the day that I wait for. I wait for the day that I can be with him, that I can experience who he is. And you know, the more you recognize the evil in this world and where it's going, the more eagerly you wait for heaven, the more eagerly you wait for him to be king. But the more you dive into, for me to live as say basketball or family or even ministry or whatever it is, the more you dive into that, 
the farther away you get from that desire and that eagerness for heaven because you start to get comfortable here and you think this is all that we have. So the question today I think for all of us is, what is it for us? To live is blank. What is it for you? To die then is gain? Can you put that in there? Can you put whatever it is into for me to live is Christ? Instead of Christ, can you replace that with anything else? And you know, maybe, maybe you don't know Christ yet. And I would challenge you to, to dig into that and to, to press in to know who he is. Because as you get to know who he is, then you will want that gain that Paul wanted. He said, you know, I don't know, uh, after he said for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, but what I shall choose, I do not know. To live on in the, in the flesh, which is needful for you, or to go be with him, which is far better. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. He was crazy. He was ready to depart from this life and be with God. He, he couldn't wait to. And, you know, if we can't wait to, that means maybe we don't know him well enough today. Maybe there's something I still need to, to discover about God and get to know better to really have that eager expectation of his coming and wanting to be with him. And so I would challenge you today, even if you are walking with the Lord, press deeper into that relationship with him. Get to know him better. Man, he's amazing. And then you're going to be like, Paul, you're going to be like, man, I can't wait to be there. You know, I know I have to be here still for my family, for, for everything else, and that's good, and I need to be here. That's, my, that's what God has placed me here for. That's good. But man, I cannot wait to be with him. I can't wait for all of us to be there with him. And I hope all of us in this room are going to be there with him, rejoicing one day and worshiping him and saying, man, God, you're amazing. Look at his story. Look at his story. Look at her story. Look at all these stories and how God united them all into one great story of how he loves us and how he died for us so that we could be with him. So I hope today, and my invitation to you today is that you get to know who he is. Is that you, if you don't, man, come up and pray with somebody today. Pray with Pastor Aaron, pray with, with somebody up here and, and get to know who he is and start that journey. If you already know him, but you want to know him deeper, man, that's again an opportunity to get together with other guys here in this hall and be like, hey, let's get to know him better together. Let's do this. Let's find out who Jesus is and how awesome he is. And uh, again, a privilege to be with you guys today. Um, let me just pray for you guys today and uh, just thank God again for this opportunity. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be here today and to be able to just share of your greatness and how awesome you are. And um, God, I truly do want my life to be more about you. I want all of our lives to be more about you. But God, we do want to need to know you better. We need to know who you are. And we want to press into your word. And we want to uh, discover you better through our relationships here uh, on earth with each other. Uh, as we uh, worship you together today, Lord, just allow for our hearts to connect to you. And if there is anyone here today, Lord, who doesn't know you, I pray that they would know who you are, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would bring them to that humility to be able to know who you are. And also, Lord, for those of us who do know who you are, but we struggle day in and day out, Lord, just help us to again press in to know who you are better, to discover you throughout this life, to trust you more, to have faith, to know that you are king. So we invite you again today, God, to be Lord of our lives. And we ask that you would help us daily, every minute, every moment to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.